Christmas Day has got to be one of the highlights in the life of a young child. Because you could ask for just about anything and get it. Uh, I remember one year, I had my heart set on a Darth Vader voice changer. If you don't know what that is, it's this black plastic helmet that's modeled after the villain in Star Wars, and it had this microphone in it, so it would take your voice and pitch it a lot deeper. And I just thought this was the coolest thing ever. So I remember that year, I was so excited for Thanksgiving. Not even Christmas yet, because at Thanksgiving, I would see my grandmother and write it down on my Christmas list. I was so excited just to ask. I didn't have the present yet. I wouldn't for several more months. Just because I was looking forward so much to getting it. In our text for this evening, we see ten men who share that same eagerness to ask. All ten cry out to Christ for help. But only one returns with the cry of thanksgiving. Now, in order to understand the situation that these men are in, we really have to know something about leprosy. Leprosy is just a miserable disease. It eats your skin away right in front of your eyes, but you can't even feel it because it kills all of the nerve endings, too. To make matters worse, it was also highly contagious which meant that if you were diagnosed with leprosy, the law of Moses declared that you had to live in exile, not just for ten days after first showing symptoms, but for the entire rest of your life. So when these men hear about Jesus, they hear about the miracles that he's been doing, they've maybe even heard that he has healed a man from leprosy. Excited. I mean, can you blame them? Here's someone who can help. Here's someone who can heal them. Here's someone that can provide them the way back to their families and their communities, back to their lives. So when Jesus is passing by in front of them, they cry out to him. But notice indirectly, they ask for pity, not for healing. But, I mean, it's pretty obvious what their biggest problem is, right? So Jesus hears them, and he responds. Notice also, indirectly, he says, Go, show yourselves to the priests. Now, if you have leprosy, there are only two occasions when you'd see a priest. The first is to be diagnosed. I don't think Jesus is trying to rub it in here. But, but the second, if somehow you were healed, you could show yourself to the priest, he, he would declare that you had been healed, and then after you offer a series of sacrifices, you would be declared clean and welcomed back into the community at large. So Jesus sees their eagerness to ask. He sees their trust in his goodness and in his power. And he responds by testing that trust. He doesn't wave his hands over them and heal them on the spot. 
He doesn't even explicitly attach the promise, if you go, then you will be healed. No, he tests their trust and their eagerness by asking them to see the priest while they can still see the leprosy on their skin. All ten pass this test with flying colors, and all ten are healed. Now, when Christmas finally came around for me that year, I was excited. I saw the present sitting underneath the Christmas tree, and it was like I had x-ray vision. You know, I already knew what was in the box. And when it was finally my turn to open my present, I I tore open the wrapping paper, and there it was. The Darth Vader voice changer. Exactly what I wanted. But in that moment, I had a bit of a problem. I was so focused on the present I had gotten that I lost sight of the bigger picture. I was so excited for the gift I had received that I missed out on what was truly important in that scenario, that my grandmother loved me and wanted me to be happy. But at the time, that was the farthest thing from my mind. I had this cool new toy to play with. Much like children on Christmas Day, most of our lepers have a problem. They're so excited with being healed that they miss out on the true significance of that event. They're so caught up in the blessing that they've received, that they fail to see something as vital and as important as who Jesus really is. He's not just some wonder worker who came to help people out who are stuck in a bind, but the very Son of God who came to save sinners from their sins, and they don't see it. They miss out on it. That's the farthest thing from their mind. They're so preoccupied with going down to the temple in Jerusalem to offer sacrifices, because that's where God is, that they miss out on God in the flesh, right in front of their faces. How oblivious. How ignorant. I think if we're honest, we can see some comparisons with us and the lepers. But I mean, let's start out certainly in some good ways. We too trust in God and his power and in his goodness. So when we are faced with trial and difficulty and temptation and disease, we too cry out to him for help. And don't get me wrong, that's a good thing. And he has promised to hear us and to answer us. But I also have creeping suspicion that nine times out of ten were like nine lepers out of ten. When God pours out his abundant grace and blessing on us, we receive it and respond by going on with our lives, pretending like that wasn't the very act of God. This is a lot bigger deal than just forgetting to say thank you. God is nowhere near that petty. 
What's really at stake here is when we do this, it's failing to acknowledge God for who he truly is. The source of every blessing, the source of every good thing in our lives. But we get so caught up in what he's given us that we remove the blesser from the blessing. We subtract God from the equation. And then what happens? Well, wow, yeah, things were pretty rough for me back then, but hey, this worked out for me. I have this now. I must have done such a great job. In this sinful, self-centered individualism, in our do-it-myself attitude, we deny God. Now, as most of the lepers, well, ex-lepers, I suppose, are heading down to Jerusalem, Jesus is too. Notice again the opening words on our text. He was on his way to Jerusalem. This would be his final ascent to the holy city. And he knew very well just what awaited him there. Joyful entry on Sunday. Betrayal on Thursday. Suffering and death on Friday. But he went willingly. He went without us ever asking him. Because we never would have came up with this plan. He went with God's will, the bigger picture in mind. He went with salvation as his goal. And on that rugged old cross, he won for us the forgiveness of sins, free and full. This is a forgiveness which blots out every time we fail to acknowledge God, makes us clean from every time we forget to thank him, cleanses us makes us pure from all of our sins. But it doesn't end there, right? No, by his glorious resurrection, he powerfully showed forth the stamp of God's approval. God the Father has accepted the sacrifice of his Son. And do you know what that means? You are a beloved child of the Father. You are in a right relationship with God. You are an heir of everlasting life. The nine went to offer sacrifices to make themselves clean. Christ went to offer himself as the greatest ultimate sacrifice to cleanse the whole world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have received blessing upon blessing beyond anything we could ask for, beyond anything we could imagine. Truly, we have received grace upon grace. Now, Luke gives us a really good example of how to respond to this multitude of blessings in the healed Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan isn't who you'd expect to be a good role model. 
Uh, Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile, but openly disavowed their Jewish half. They followed the strange, corrupted, distorted version of Judaism that brought in a lot of pagan elements. Uh, they didn't worship in Jerusalem at the temple, but built their own in the mountains of Samaria. On one occasion, a bunch of Samaritans actually went down to try to sabotage the Jerusalem temple so that the Jews couldn't celebrate Passover. So the Jews looked down on the Samaritans, I mean, maybe rightfully so, but completely flat out refused to associate with them in any way. Now, in fact, the word Jesus uses here to refer to the Samaritan foreigner, uh, this is a word that's found nowhere else in the entire New Testament, but was quite famously found on the signs posted outside the temple. You know, the ones that said, no foreigners allowed. Here is a man who would not have been able to enter the temple to offer the sacrifices the law required of him. But maybe, exactly because of that fact, here's a man who knows his standing before God, a sinner awaiting condemnation. And because of that, he knows what he needs. The Savior, the promised Messiah, who would be for all people and all nations, who would come to cleanse them of their sin and make them the people of God. That's who he's looking for. That's what he's waiting for. So when the Samaritan sees Jesus show himself to be God by this act of his divine power, he gets it. Here is what he's been waiting for. Here is who he's been waiting for. Here is someone who offers him a healing far greater than that of leprosy. The healing of the greatest curse which plagues and diseases all of mankind, the curse of sin. And when he recognizes this, when he recognizes who Jesus is, and everything that he has come to do, what does he do? What else can he do? He runs back to Jesus, falls on his face at his feet, praising God and thanking Jesus. Now, in Greek, these two actions, praising God, thanking Jesus, they're grammatically going on at the same time because they really are one and the same. Here's a man who recognizes who Jesus is, who realizes everything he has done and will do for him. And he responds to a rich outpouring of thanks and praise. Now, the really in-your-face application for this text is praise God when he gives you the blessings you ask for. And, you know, that's true, and that's good, and we should do that, but it's also a little obvious, and I think we can take something a lot more profound here. Consider this. The Samaritan was better off having leprosy than not, because through it, he got to meet Jesus. Now, I'm not going to pretend like 
this is the entirely comprehensive answer to human suffering. And I'm certainly not trying to say that the difficulties and trials which we face aren't hard. Please don't get me wrong. But we can still learn to offer God thanksgiving and praise in every situation. Because we know that he holds all things right in the palm of his hand. That he directs all things ultimately for our good. And he may send us a difficulty or trial so that we realize just how weak we are. Just how futile our own efforts are. Just how much we need to rely on him. He may send us these things so that we are driven to him in prayer. So that we seek him where he has promised to be found in his holy word and in the blessed sacrament. God uses all things to lead us into his wide-open, loving arms. So cry out to Christ. Cry out, certainly, for help, trusting in his power and in his goodness. He has promised to hear you and to answer you. But cry out also from thanksgiving. Certainly, when he gives you the blessings you've asked for, but in every circumstance, in every situation, even when things aren't going the way you would have them to go, knowing that he guides and directs all things so that we too get to meet Jesus. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus.